Living God, may your spirit move in this place. May we hear words that inspire us and create images that keep us going for the rest of the week. May we learn more about what it means to follow you missionally today. In Jesus' name, amen. Many people will tell you that we live in an image-dense society. A picture now paints a thousand policy decisions. Images demand our attention at every turn. And so I think it's sometimes important that we find those similar visual parables and metaphors that enable us to think a little bit more about what the kingdom of God and following a missional spirit actually means for us. This week has been something of a shocker. A week of pistols in Yorkshire villages. Powerful rainbow reminders of pain caused to LGBTQI people around the world. It seems more and more important that we find an appropriate, hope-filled, joyous picture that is able to cut through some of our pain and exhaustion, capturing afresh something of the theme of mission to which we are called to unite through in our gospel work together. So I spent much of my free time this week Googling. I've been trying to find that one image that inspires me to think about what it means to follow God, to live faithfully as a Christian disciple and to recognise the spirit as it moves in so many different and colourful ways throughout the fabric of the universe. And so I want you to imagine two very simple household objects. The simplest mundane object that I could find online. A ping pong ball and a mouse trap. Now it turns out that the advertising gurus at Pepsi Cola decided not just to unite a ping pong ball and a mouse trap, but to fill a room with primed mousetraps, each one with a ping-pong ball. And when they had carefully laid out row upon row upon row of mousetrap with ping-pong ball attached where the cheese should be, they waited and waited and waited until that very opportune moment where they dropped a single ping-pong ball on to a mousetrap. What happened was a brilliant, chaotic cacophony of ping-pong balls flying everywhere in this room as one ping-pong ball hit another mousetrap, flinging the ping-pong ball, which was where the cheese should be, into another area of the room and and fired off another ping-pong ball, another ping-pong ball, another ping-pong ball. The entire room is filled with this creative, uncontainable energy of movement. This chaos erupts around and about. For me, I'm going to use that as our metaphor for mission today. As the spirit moves, the ping-pong ball of the spirit drops and causes such an explosive, creative, brilliant, uncontainable reaction as people's skills are released, as people are gifted and anointed in different ways. 
and we're invited to follow the creative, chaotic and uncontained movement of the Spirit and to get involved. The Spirit acts as the catalyst for this energy and movement. This week, perhaps more than ever before, we need such a powerful and visual reminder that the Spirit of God is active in our world, is active in our streets, that the Spirit is creative and recreative, redeeming and uncontainable, and that our invitation is to join in, to participate, and to recognise that even in the simplest of gifts, a ping-pong ball and a mundane mousetrap, we can find a metaphor that's all we need to realise our part in engaging with the personal and corporate spirituality of our towns and our society. From boats in the Mediterranean to a gay nightclub in Orlando, the breathtaking, creative, playful, chaotic, uncontainable spirit is breathing and calling individuals and groups to participate in this kingdom life in energising ways. The spirit is calling us afresh to live lives wholeheartedly, to be connected, to live with compassion, great courage and creativity, to join with the Spirit in God's mission. It's really important to remember that we are not the first ping-pong ball. We live in a world where so much is about how much we strive for individually. But our part in the redeeming, recreating, uncontainable nature of the kingdom of God is to follow the spirit as its catalyst. We are not the first ping-pong ball, but it is up to us to be released. It's not the church which has a mission after all. It's the missional God who calls the church into being. It's a loving, relational, restorative, hope-filled God who has a mission in his created order and invites us to join in. So metaphorically, we're not that first ping-pong ball. But metaphorically, we are a room filled with primed mousetraps, ready to follow God's call as it comes. And so for the rest of this evening, I want us to focus on two things. The first is what is it to be playing in the edges, in the margins of society? And secondly, how we then play our part, playing around the edges and in the margins. And secondly, playing our part. So playing around the edges. On the third floor of the Tate Modern, just across the river here, there is an exhibition space called Liminality. It's a great space because it's where you can touch the art. And I'm always a fan of being able to touch the art. And the exhibition is described as such. It's a participatory sculpture for families. It's an invitation to experiment and to play together. If art isn't your thing, then the theologian has also said, or the theologian Walter Brueggemann has said, that liminality is a safe place in which to host ambiguity 
to notice tension and unresolved without pressure, but with the freedom to see and test an alternative texting of our reality. So maybe liminality is a playful sculpture, something that you're invited to play with and to experiment together. Or perhaps it's a safe place to host ambiguity and to notice tension and realise different alternative textings of our reality. But one thing I do know is that the recreative, redeeming, uncontained nature of the kingdom of God can more often than not be seen in those playful, experimental, slightly dangerous places. It may be to do with the openness of the people residing on those marginal edges to receive and respond to the movement of the spirits. Perhaps they are unconstrained by the demands of policy and dogma and politics. Or perhaps these liminal spaces, those places between the now and the not yet of the kingdom, are fragile and vulnerable, made up of fragile and vulnerable people made in a place which is itself the very fabric of vulnerability. So the margin is a space or a place between places. And it can be as much about the environment as it is about personality, as much about grass and concrete as it is about flesh and bone. This is important because this reading that was read to us from Isaiah reminds us that these margin places are exactly where we find the kingdom of gods. It is written to a marginalised people group, a group of people who are struggling to find their own identity in a world context where they no longer have the power that they thought they had when they were once a global superpower. They are exiled from their sense of what it means to be themselves. Isaiah is writing to a Hebrew people who had been shamed for what they once took for granted. They'd lost their empire and they were living in fear about what this new sense of migration would mean for themselves, their faith, their families and their wider society. Their world is suddenly a jungle of ideas and pressures that they'd never had to be faced with before, and they wanted things back the way they were. Isaiah is writing to a group of people who saw the institutions that they valued the most, their worship spaces and their political power, were no longer the socio-religious centres of the world. They were people grieving for what once was, was no longer and will never be into the future. And that future seemed incredibly uncertain. For this group of struggling, marginalised exiles, there were three options. Be completely inclusive, open the doors, join in with the party, get on with everybody, and yet risk syncretism or selling out, or forgetting who they once were. Alternatively, some middle third way. Be open and nice and hospitable, but with boundaries or a point system. 
Be clear about where the lines are drawn in doctrine and dogma and discipline and worship. Maintain something of the status quo, um, but, but don't get too involved with those out there. And the risk is that that then seems to be inauthentic. Do you want relationship or not? Do you want engagement or not? Do you want creativity or control? And the third option to these marginalised exiles was to be completely distinct, to take back control, to redefine their own values and systems rather than be engaged and engaging with other people. At worst, this seemed like separatism, but it was a way of some people living and existing afresh. To these groups of exiles, there is a shift in power. There's no longer a patriarchy at the centre of identity, but in the Holy Land centre of gravity, women and the family started to play more a significant role in both social cohesion and political decision-making. Worship is marked by confession and lament and vigil and a retexting of those ancient songs and rituals of the past which provided the spiritual and social solace that they were so desperate to rediscover. Spirituality became something of currency, an attraction that they had to be more attuned to because everywhere else God seemed dead. Individualism became less important as groupthink arose. Community identity formed in family groups and racial groups and across different divides. And it's to these people that Isaiah speaks. Isaiah speaks to these exiled, marginalised, limited people living in a liminal space. He speaks with promise recognising that it's a tentative and emotive place to thrive in. Did anyone think I was talking about today? One might be so bold as to suggest that those similarities are stark today. And in our contemporary globalised world, that could have been our experience too. But for Isaiah... And for other people who write within that exilic, marginalised, liminal space, Isaiah speaks to the vulnerable, fractured, marginal places and people and says that the Spirit, the Spirit of God is upon you. The Spirit is still brooding her way, redeeming, recreating in an uncontainable, energised, visionary, transformative and vocational way. Remember the ping-pong balls around the room primed on each of those mousetraps. God breathes his Spirit into this messy and complex situation and according to Isaiah brings compassion and healing and connectiveness and creativity. However shamed, despairing or guilty the people of God felt, the Ruach, the very breath of God, spirit, transforms, recreates and redeems both state, society and heart. 
These are the promises for a fragile people, fulfilled in Christ and continued through the gift of his spirit, his Pentecostal spirit, to his church today. The spirit of God's call to his church may be a discovery of what it is when we are more being than doing. The spirit of God moves in amongst our margins, providing liminal moments of invitation and participation for individuals and for communities. There is a playfulness, a lightness in this missional spirit, which, like a single falling ping-pong ball, can ignite and reinvigorate a movement which has long forgotten its purpose and discipleship identity. Perhaps our challenge is to be more playful, more aware of the spirit's actions on the edges and margins of our own experience, our congregation, the congregations we represent around the world and our community groups. For it is here that we discover the joy and challenge of the missionary God as he calls us to follow him and to be his people. And so secondly, how then do we play our part? I wonder how you felt as I was describing that Pepsi video. What went through your head as I described the falling of that first ping-pong ball onto the primed mousetrap and the chaos and creativity that that ensued as the room of mousetraps and ping-pong balls were then erupting all around? I suspect for some of you, you kind of caught my enthusiasm for it. And you saw the energy and the creativity. You saw the potential and the promise You were breathtaking by the whole image. Another world, a kingdom of God world, is not only possible. There are glimpses of it around every corner and between every pavement. It energises us to action. We're already working out in our minds what our response is as we leave this place. We're already primed, thinking about the people that we're going to speak to and the things that we're involved in throughout the week. We're breathtaking with the awesomeness of it. But I also suspect that for some of us, a description of the chaos of uncontainable ping-pong balls leaves us slightly breathless. It's exhausting and downright worrying. We create quite a mess, and who would tidy it up? We have a giant to-do list of all the opportunities that we failed to accomplish. We're tired and frustrated at the uncontrollability of it all. There are no measures to success. There are no outcome plans. We can't measure it. There's no budgetary control. There's no monitoring of process. There are no um, policies or procedures or precedent in place. For some of us, our discipleship has been breathtaking. And we have seen healing and release and liberation. We can testify to the mending of broken hearts, to the liberation of captives, to the comfort of those who mourn, just as Isaiah has described. But for others of us, this description proves a sage reminder of what once was, is not, and may never be again. And we remain breathless 
and marginalised in our own pain of personal or corporate exile. We see for ourselves all the hard work and spend hours just trying to keep up. We're tired and beaten down and acutely aware of everything that is required of us. And it's not limited to us either. The Somalian poet Warson Shire has written this. Later that night, I held an atlas in my lap, ran my fingers across the whole world and whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, everywhere. 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 Are we breathtaken by the missional spirit at work? Or are we left burdened and breathless at the pain we see everywhere? There is a professor at the University of Houston called Brené Brown. And she has spent her life researching what it means for us to live wholehearted, connected, creative, courageous lives. Perhaps how we might want to respond to the ping-pong ball of God's spirit. She said this, we need to stop seeing exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as a mark of our self-worth. There is a real danger when we imagine all of those ping-pong balls to suggest that actually we need to get involved with all of them. We spend our time doing honourable things and yet actually we spend our time doing so many things that we never seem to finish and we get tired and exhausted. We're burned out and burned up. Incidentally, her prescription for exhaustion and productivity as a mark of our self-worth is that we need to play more and sleep more. I'm not going to disagree. But as we think about that vision of the spirit, the ping-pong balls, as they fall, when we read this passage in Isaiah and think of the spirit of God as it achieves life-givingness and wholeheartedness in broken, messy, mixed-up, exhausted worlds. For me, it transforms the breathless into something utterly breathtaking. I see the potential of the Holy Spirit launching and catalyzing a people called Methodist to be a people of deep connections, of active compassion, of unimaginable courage, and of inspirational creativity. Not because the individual institutions or us individually have got it right, but because we can look to the Spirit to unite us, to inspire, to transform, redeem, recreate, and refresh us as we follow God's mission together. In the south of England, an entrepreneur called Tim Smith had an idea. He took a disused quarry and wanted to transform it into an environmental and ecological education research centre. He named it Eden. One of the many breathtaking things about that strange environment in a disused quarry in Cornwall is the design feature. I don't know whether you've seen it. It looks like something from out of space. It's these semicircular objects that the whole fabric of the, the, this centre is these semicircular 
based on bubbles. It looks like a giant bubble, I guess, or something out of space. What makes it special is that each pane of glass in these greenhouses are fragile and vulnerable and weak. Each one is flawed and fractured in a different way. Each individual pane of glass is vulnerable. And it's an incredibly weak structure until the final piece is put in place. The Eden Project is the strongest structure on earth. But it only becomes the strongest structure when all of the pieces, all of those vulnerable, fragile, fractured pieces are put into place. Joining in the mission of God, following the spirit breathe its way through shanties and Shangri-La hotels doesn't mean that we need to be without flaws. Joining in the mission of God means that we offer our whole selves wholeheartedly vulnerabilities, flaws, breathlessness intact. Because it's as we wholeheartedly contribute that we then join with others and become strong. To be connected and compassionate and courageous and creative, we need to be together, to be united, for it is in our weakness that Christ makes us strong. So mundane things like ping pong balls and mouse traps can help us glimpse something of the missional kingdom of God and what that might mean for our communities. We need the mundane to encourage us to notice the kingdom of God around and about. To make bread or love or to dig in the earth or to feed an animal or cook for a stranger. These activities require no extensive commentary, no lucid theology. All they need is someone to be willing to bend, reach, chop or stir. Most of these things are so full of pleasure that we don't need to complicate them by calling them holy. But these are the activities that change lives, sometimes all at once and sometimes like dripping water on a stone. In a world where faith is construed as a way of thought, simple, mundane, bodily practices remind us of the activity of the spirit in our world. Perhaps we need greater creativity, artistry, bodily exhibition of our faith, more beingness as we notice the spirit at work, because it's there that we notice Isaiah's promise, afresh, that spirit-given mission to the poor who receive good news to the broken-hearted who through the spirit know wholeness, to the captives and the addicted who know freedom, to those in darkness, be it psychological, spiritual or physical, they know the light of Christ, to those who are mourning, the spirit brings comfort, to those who are grieving for what once was, is not and shall never be again, the spirit provides provision and lament. To those shamed, the spirit brings blessing. To those disgraced, the spirit brings knowledge and identity. And to those who are despairing, the spirit brings forth joy. And this is the promise for us, as well as for our communities, as well as for our hurting world. These are the things of our mission or God. 
These are the things of our discipleship. These are the things of our transformed communities together. These are the things that change our ecosystems to help us notice the kingdom of God, which propel us to greater playfulness, liminality, and breathtaking mission. These are the things which are creative, chaotic, recreative, and uncontainable, wherever the ping pong ball lands next. Loving God, you know whether we sit here breathtaken by the awesomeness of your call upon our lives or breathless and exhausted, overworked and burned out. May your spirit rest upon each of us. where we feel lost and abandoned and hopeless. Draw near to us and call us back to a connectivity with you. Where we are inspired to be creative and uncontained. Provide us the opportunities and the people to encourage us. where we're tired enable us to play and to sleep more may we know the call you place upon us to follow your spirit to be part of a missional movement and to notice that the kingdom of God another world is tangible and possible Refresh us by your spirit, we pray. Amen.